So I remember the day my brother called to say that my sister-in-law was pregnant with our first niece or nephew, right? Later it turned out to be our niece. And I remember the joy in his voice, but when I talked to my sister-in-law, I really heard the joy in her voice, but also the fear and uncertainty about what all of this means. I, then my mother called and she was overjoyed. You know how it all works. There was this, this great sense of excitement and joy. Then I remember when my sister announced to us she was pregnant with her first child, and then her second, and then her third, and all of those were moments of joy. And what was interesting is to watch the women in our family connect together uh, in their pregnancies and in their celebrations, relying on my mother, my aunt, my grandmother uh, to provide some guidance and, and support and connection. Um, and I just remember watching all of that happen uh, with, with great joy and with great celebration. And I rejoiced, right? Like I, I was grateful for these children to come into our lives. And, and even now I'm grateful for them. They're now in their 20s. And some of them have their own children. And I rejoice with them. I'm especially grateful for them because I don't have children. Somebody's got to take care of me, right? Amen, right? <laughs> so today is Joy Sunday. And we light the pink candle as a sign of joy. And joy is much more uh, than just happiness. It's a deep sense of rejoicing, gladness, but it's deeper than that. It sustains us even when times are difficult, even when times are challenging. And today we hear some amazing stories about two babies. And often at Christmas and Advent we focus on Jesus, which is super important, amen, right? But we have spent some time over these last weeks on the baby called John the Baptist, you heard a bit of the story today about his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were older in age. I'll leave it at that. I, I quoted some ages in first service and offended the whole group. Amen, right. But they were very old. And Zechariah is doing temple service, and he's lighting incense in this very sacred place when the angel Gabriel visits him and says, you will, your prayers have been heard. You will finally have a child. And there's great joy, right? There's amazing joy. But for him, uh, there's just great uncertainty and great fear and, 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 and trepidation. And, and I love what Zechariah says, you know, uh, how will I know this? is So how, how are you going to make sure I can prove that this is going to happen? And I, we kind of get critical of Zechariah, but come on. When you're in older age, I'll leave it at that, and you're told you're going to have a child, it, you kind of want some proof, amen, right? But Gabriel said, well, because you couldn't trust this, uh, you will not be able to speak until the baby's born. And I think a lot about that. Like, maybe that's a gift to us in, in the season of Advent, and certainly was a gift to Zechariah, that maybe sometimes in the journey, in a season that's often filled with clatter, chatter, and noise, what we need to buy, what we haven't purchased, what foods we need, how we need to decorate our tree, whatever it may be, that all of this noise of the world... Maybe Zechariah reminds us that sometimes we need to live in silence. Several women in the Bible studies I've been teaching over the years say, well, maybe God just knew that Elizabeth needed a break. Amen, right? But whatever the case, that's where we are. And then we hear about Elizabeth who hears this great news that she will give birth. And she's, re she's rejoicing, but she's also cautious, right? And she remains in seclusion in the hills of Judea for five months. For five months, she takes it in. Five months, she realizes that all of those prayers, that all of that shame have, have been transformed. And now she's trying to figure out what that means for her. And certainly, this child, this child John, will be different and will have a great role in all that's coming. 
Then we hear the story, which you heard so beautifully read, of Elizabeth, of Mary and the visit of Gabriel to her. Gabriel gets around, right? Uh, Gabriel visits her and says to her that she too will have a child. She's engaged to Joseph, but she's a little perplexed, according to Scripture, and asks, how can this be? She doesn't ask for proof that it will happen, but how can this be? And Gabriel gives her the story of how she as a virgin will give birth to this child. Name him Jesus. He will be the Son of Most High. He will be the Savior of the world. That's a lot for a young girl to take in, right? I mean, think about it. And so I find it fascinating that after this announcement, uh, instead of like Zechariah, well, I need some proof. I'd like to figure this out. She just says, here I am, your servant. I'll do it. What an amazing thing, right? And then she does this very interesting thing that we often look over uh, in the Christmas Advent season. She travels to her relative Elizabeth, who's well into her pregnancy, and travels a great distance. She's in in Nazareth, and Elizabeth is near the Judean highlands, near Jerusalem. And whether she travels with others or travels by herself, which is great risk, Mary goes to be with Elizabeth. Now, scholars believe, we know from the scriptures, they're relatives. We've often assumed they were cousins. One scholar believes that Elizabeth was her aunt. We don't know the relationship. But what I believe is that they already knew each other, right? If you're faced with something huge like this, you're not going to go visit a stranger, right? Even though you know that Gabriel's involved, and Elizabeth in her older age is about to give birth. And I think it's a beautiful and amazing story when uh, Mary shows up to visit Elizabeth. She comes in and says, hey, I stopped by Jewel, I got everything, I'm here to be with you for a while in your pregnancy, and we can be together, right? And Elizabeth feels the baby, John, leap in her womb, out of a sense of joy. The Holy Spirit moves in that moment. Come on, folks. Amen. Could I get that? I mean, are you awake, right? You know what I'm saying? This is an amazing thing. There's a deep connection between these two women in this journey. There's this connection of supporting one another. And we know that Mary stays there for three months to be with this relative, Elizabeth. And I'm sure they have lots to share and lots to worry about and lots to anticipate. But I believe from their first visit and encounter, they had lots of joy. Lots of joy. And so today, as we hear this beautiful music, amen. Come on, folks. Amen. Amen, yes. Beautiful music. It leads us to experience joy. It leads us into the light of the pink candle, the light of Christ, that reminds us that joy sustains us even in the midst of war, hatred, brokenness, slant, all of the stuff we witness in the world today. We need joy more than ever. Amen? And it's this joy that lifts us up and sustains us. When Mary heard the news that she was going to give birth to this baby, and that in God all things are possible, right? And as she's preparing, uh, she sings this beautiful song called the Magnificat, magnifying God, right? And in just a few moments, this group is going to give you a version of the Magnificat. And I hope you sense the joy that I feel when I hear them, because that's the joy Mary offered even in the midst of this unbelievable, perplexing, and challenging reality. So may joy fill you today. May you take a moment to live in the sacred silence of Zechariah. May you be open to Elizabeth's openness to what she's called to. And may you be like Mary. May we be like Mary. Here's your servant, God. Use me. 
and let me sing a song, a beautiful song, an amazing song of joy.